Welcome to Love Essie, the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 78. So this week, I'm talking about paranormal romance again, because I can't help myself. I love it so much. It's so good. Um... So, if you guys have been listening, um, for those of you who have, who have been listening, sorry, let me rephrase that. Um, I started Thea Harrison's Elder Races um, books. So, I've read the first four. Yes, the first four. So, this week, I'm going to talk about books five and six. But I also read another paranormal that is different from The Elder Races. This is by T.J. Klune, and it's uh, Wolf Song, which is the first book in the green creek series and people i have thoughts people i have feelings people many many things happened um so i'm going to start with the elder races books then i'll go on to wolf song and then it'll be time for gratitude and a yes, yes. um anyway so in the elder races series uh book five is um it's called lord's fall that book is a return um is a return in this book we return to the first couple we met in book one which is pia and dragos right so if you've read nolini's uh guild hunter series she does that with her books, right? Elena and Raphael. First of all, Elena and Raphael are our main sort of romantic focus for books one through three. And then we go to other couples, but we always return to them th- throughout the series. So I started paying, like, sort of going through, like, what other stuff is out there. There's actually a bunch of novellas set in this world, and there is a lot of returning to this this main couple who we first meet who we are introduced to in book one now i do not like spending five books with one couple back to back to back i find that aggravating i find i have yet to come across a series that does that well that being said i do enjoy when um a book series Sorry, I got distracted because my roommate's cat was in my room and I didn't even know that Mans was in here. So now I got to let him let him out and make noise in the process. Okay, goodbye, sir. <laughs> my roommate's cat will just like come into my room and like hide um, in one little corner that I can't really see. Probably why he likes it. But then at some point he'll be like, well, now it's time for me to leave. And I'm like, okay, but my door's closed. Like, what are you doing? Anyway. Before I was so rudely distracted by the feline who does not pay rent, lucky bastard, um, I do enjoy when I get to meet a couple and then a few books down get to come back to them, right? So in this case, we meet them in book one, we come back to them in book five. So if there have been four books in between and now he's crying at the door, go find your mother, like, I'm not your mom. I'm like, maybe your stepmom. It's her turn to deal with you. <laughs> Sorry, I ruined. So what I really like about 
doing something like that, right? Where you're with the, this couple and you see it. It's not like we haven't seen mentions of Pia and Dragos throughout the books, right? They're definitely present in book two and in book three and in book four. So it's not like it's like out of nowhere. It's confusing. It's not like we met them in book one and then we don't see them again until book five. No, we've, you know, we know that there's stuff going on. But this book, we get to sort of focus on them and where they are now. And what I think, so what I like about this, which I liked in The Guild Hunter, is in both cases, right, these couples fall in love in what I would consider really sort of crazy moments right like everything is high speed fast pace everything is volatile things are like there's so much happening and they find each other and and great you know you've made it and you've fallen in love like homeboy who's the dragon found his you know other half who's not a dragon but whatever but how do you like live every day how how does that work Y'all haven't been on real dates. Y'all don't know who likes what side of the bed, who likes extra blankets, who doesn't like enough blankets, who wants, you know, blackout curtains to sleep, who wants, you know, breakfast, you know, right when they wake up or who can't look at food until 11 a.m. onwards. All of the little things that make each of them their own person. There's no way to like know that, right? You know what I mean? So over time, you get to see this couple like figuring out their path, like how they're going to cohabitate and how they're going to live and how they're going to work together if they work together. And if they don't work together, how they're going to make their possibly conflicting schedules work for them as a whole right and so that's what we get to see in this book now it's on like oh it's just like pia and drago's figuring out the boundaries and of their relationships the areas where they can compromise in the areas where they can't and that's it there is a backdrop of you know the sentinel games so drago's has a bunch of sentinels but then he loses two um, they don't die, guys. They they just have their own books and end up with their own women. Um, books two and three or two and four. I literally just read this. How have I forgotten already? My brain was like, yeah, we're done. I'm like, but, but we just read it. And she's like, I know. And we have now forgotten because don't you love it when we forget things? Like, girl, no. <laughs> Actually, I don't appreciate that now i have to go look at the series list because it's gonna bother me because i'm a five-year-old um let me see oh it was books two and three ah because book four was the djinn and homegirl the oracle okay yes so tiago in book two rune in book three they found their women. Their women need them elsewhere. So they aren't Dragos's sentinels anymore. So there's like the sentinel games, right? Um, which is like, think Olympics, but you're fighting not to the death, but close. 
um, to work for someone. Yay! Uh, battle! Ooh! Um, so that's happening. And at the same time, Pia is heading to meet with, uh, the elven people. The, the elven. I, the elves. She's going to meet with the elves to, like, repair relationships because in her book, when Drago showed up to grab her, he, you know, wasn't supposed to, like, just go into their territory like that. So, so we have all that happening. And then, of course, like, Pia and Drago's. And we're seeing, like, you know, like, how everything that's going on, how that's affected Drago's and Rune's relationship and, like, um, what this means for his other sentinels. And I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, it's not... I think as long as some of the other books it doesn't say it, it's not a novella. I think it's long enough that it's um, an actual novel, not a novella length. Um, and we really get to learn more about the elves. So in this book, we really understand more about elves and their world, um, as well as more of this world that we're in. And all of that is happening while we're also seeing Pia and Dragos figure out how to be together, to lead, to continue to, you know, because Dragos can't stop, you know, leading the weird. Like, that's what he does. And how does he continue to do that while living and loving Pia and all that that entails? Um, so I, I, I personally, that is when I enjoy returning to couples. Let us have a few books or with other people, we're in different parts of the world, we're learning other new things, and then we come back to them. Also, the Oracle's prophecy that, like, or the Oracle's vision in book four comes, Thea Harrison didn't drag that out and have that like vision happen in book four and his resolution happen like eight books later. She was like, no, it's going to be resolved in the very next book, um, which I thought I personally enjoy. Sometimes I don't like when things get dragged out too far because I might like forget or lose details. Um, and it, to me, it just, it made sense to do it then. So I was like, oh, okay. Yes. Thank you. Now book six book six has a completely different title right because up until book six um all of the titles and it book six might be the anomaly it is every other book title is two words right we've got dragon bound is book one storm's heart is book two serpent's kiss book three oracle's moon book four lord's fall book five and then book six shows up and goes now I'm gonna be different, and it's called kinked. That's it, one word. That's it. This book, um, so this book we are, uh, I mean, we don't change worlds, but we're with different characters. Now we've met both of these characters already in the series. Um, in kinked, we're with Ariel, the harpy, and Quentin who is half weird, half elf. And we've met them. Quentin was Pia's friend and boss in book one. 
and he owns the bar, he knows her, they've known each other for forever. Ariel is a harpy and one of Drago's sentinels. She's been a sentinel and in the sentinel games she reclaims her spot because the, the current sentinels all have to participate in the games and also basically reclaim their spot. They don't just get to be like, well, I'm a sentinel and I stay a sentinel. It's like, no, you gotta prove you can still be a sentinel. Um, so we've met Quentin and Ariel already. And I feel like book four, we start to see that there's animosity between them. Now, Ariel has a lot of animosity, a lot of different characters. Um, when I was reading this, I was like, what is a harpy? Right, because I was unsure, so I looked it up, and um, it comes from Greek and Roman mythology. It's a rapacious monster described as having a woman's head and body, and a bird's wings and claws, or depicted as a bird of prey with a woman's face. The way that Ariel is described, she's more the the first portion. She's got a woman's head and body when she's in her harpy form, but she's got the wings and the talons now, like the rest of the weird this is she has a human form and then her harpy form so she can shift between the two now quentin is not full weird but he has enough weird in him that he is able to shift into another form and that is of a panther so we've got these two weird who do not when i say do not like each other like we're talking go at each other like fighting like ready to beat the crap out of each other um so this is very much an enemies to lovers sort of situation like they cannot stand each other she is actively investigating him because she's convinced that he's some sort of criminal that needs to just be brought down and he's kind of like i don't care about this like freaking painted my ass they cannot stand each other and the premise of the what i thought was really interesting is they basically get banished to go work in one of the other lands or to go check out one of the other lands and whatever because they are both so intensely aggravated with each other and and hate each other at the when we start the book that they're because here's the thing, they're sentinels, right? So we're talking characters that are extremely intelligent can, you know, help Drago's rule the weir, right? So this is not just like regular, regular people. And yet they lose so much control over themselves and the the emotions that drive them to like go at each other. They go at each other in the tower um, Culebra's tower, and he ends up splitting them apart and reminds them that, uh, oh, so homeboy has a kid now. Him and Pia had a baby. He's holding the baby, and he's kind of like, what if someone else who isn't as well-versed in combat as I am have been in this hallway that you two decided to fight in? Because it wasn't even like um, they were fighting in a, in, a, in a gym, somewhere where you're in a hallway of or people are, you know, not expecting this to happen. So they basically, it's like, you you two have to go off. you got to be leaving New York for at least two weeks, but less than a month, and figure your shit out. Now, I'm bringing this back around to Nalini. Um, 
in Tangle of Need, Riaz and Nadra, when they first, as we're seeing them, they have this, they're very antagonistic to each other. And that's because the antagonism is a blind or a, it's how they're hiding from each other and even themselves, the fact that they are crazy sexually attracted to each other. So when I was reading this at first, I first I was like, no, they really, really hate each other. And then as I was like, because there's definitely a scene where I was like, do they hate each other or do they have the hots for each other? But I hate the fact that they have the hots for each other enough that turns into wanting to beat each other up. So I was like, okay, I need to, I need to know where this, where this goes. And I think one of the things that's really interesting because Quentin was a criminal and was doing stuff, but he was never going to get caught. And then he stopped because he first tells her he stopped because he had done something that endangered someone who really mattered to him and realizing how close he came to losing someone that mattered to him due to his actions and no one else's. That's when he was like, no, I need to go on straight and narrow. And he thought um, joining the Sentinels made sense because here's the thing. Quinta doesn't really like Dragos at all. And it's like, okay, well, why would you want to work for a man you don't even, or um, a leader you don't even really like? But I think it was one of those like, well, I, I want to, you know, understand what's happening in this Demesne, Demesne, whatever. Um, and so he eventually tells um, Ariel exactly who he almost, you know, lost due to opening his mouth when he probably shouldn't have and the repercussions of everything and she's kind of like you're telling me this now because i think he waits to tell her until she's injured and she's kind of like dude really and didn't i because when he first admits to basically you know just you know basic crime and the like the the thievery kind of stuff and she's like what like i don't care about that and he's kind of like you've been like investigating me the hell and back this whole time and you don't care and she's just like okay i mean it's not that important because for her petty petty crimes aren't what matter what matter to her are you know betrayal anything that will lead to dismemberment pain death that kind of thing to the people that matter to her now i think thea harrison as an author does her really i personally think she did a really good job in taking these two characters from being like we hate each other too we hate each other but we each think the other is hot too okay both of us are hot and we have the hots for each other so maybe we could hate bang too okay so we can hate bang and there are have been moments where i feel compassion and empathy for you but still and then it turns into wait i see you and I think what's really cool for both of these characters is that in each other, they see the person, the mate, who understands them on a level that... Because I think Ariel, in some ways, is a little bit more aware of what she will need from a partner. Quentin, I think, is at first shocked and then, I think... But very quickly gets over the fact that Ariel really is everything he needs. Not anything he would have consciously thought he wanted. But once he lets himself sort of step back from that, like, 
This is what I think I want to actually, you know, looking at what he needs, the realization. And they go from, now here's the thing. It's not like they go from, oh, we hate each other and hate banging to like sickeningly gushy, lovey dovey. No, they're still very, I don't want to say aggressive. They're still very um, dominant personalities and they're very, um, they're very real with each other. I don't think we get moments where they're kind of like pretending to be something that they're not. Um, I think they've done that with others, but they uh, can't do it with each other, which I really, really liked. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay. And there's also, I mean, there's a lot that happens because in on their journey to, you know, um, Drago sends them to check out this, like, land that has been, there's been a lot of tragedy for the elves in the previous book, and they're going there just to help out and then find, like, some crazy witch, but one, the, the scenes of caring for each other, tending to each other's wounds, of just really, really being there for each other, um, I thought were really, really well done. And I really, I, I wasn't sure because at first I think I was a little, they were so into, I was like, how is she going to make this work? Because they're beating the shit out of each other and talking about killing the other, like, and not like, ha ha ha, ironically, like, no, like legit, how do I kill this person? So I was like, how's this gonna, but the flip side of that is like, such intense and beautiful devotion and both of them are able to open up and be vulnerable with each other they might not be able to do with anybody else um to the same degree but they're able to do it with each other which was just so so cool to see um or to read um so i really really i was i think i was surprised at how much i liked king at the end um because I think I mentioned when I spoke about um Rune's book Rune's book three I struggled with a good the good beginning portion of that I was like nah but I didn't have that with Kate like I started reading I was like okay okay next page next page um and yeah there was just something about Quentin and RL um and the way in which both of them like realized what they needed and what they could give each other um i was like oh okay me likey me likey very much yeah so those were the two elder races books that i really enjoyed now i got to put the next two on hold or whatever now, the other book I read was Wolf Song by T.J. Clune, which is actually my first T.J. Clune. Um, and I've definitely heard people talk about this book before. I think I'd put it on hold and then I kept, you know, uh, pushing off the, like, putting, being like, oh, don't deliver it yet. Don't deliver it yet. Don't. Del-. And finally, I was like, Esther, either read it or cancel the hold. Like, what are you doing? I was like, okay, I'm going to borrow it. And then I was like, mm. and then I started reading it and I was like, oh 
my goodness. And it's not, um, it's not a short book. Um, I don't know what it would be like in, um, como se dice, in paper pages or whatever. But in, if I'm looking at it, like, from the library, like, an ebook, like, it's 1,100 pages, I think it said. Some ridiculousness. Like, I think it's tagged as... I know that's something else. I was like, but yes, it definitely felt quite, quite long. Like I wasn't, it says it's 1131 ebook pages. I don't know what that is in real, real print pages. Anyway, Wolf Song is um, an MM romance with Ox and Joe and it's a written in a very different style than I'm used to reading that being said I enjoyed the writing style um and I was like whoa right I read a lot of paranormal right so I was like oh okay werewolves oh okay omegas now there are depending on which author you're with what how they've crafted their universe an omega can be like you know, the wolf that's always going to get knocked up. That ha- There's, like, weird breeding Omega romance out there. Those a little borderline, but whatever. Um, or something along those lines. Something to do. Or it can be, like, uh, there can be a triad or a throuple because there's, like, an alpha and an omega and a, a beta or whatever. In T.J. Clune's world... Omegas are wolves that have sort of lost their tie to their humanity. Now, this isn't wolves that have shifted to their animal form and can't find their way back to their human form. They can, but they seem to... They're usually packless. They don't have a pack. They don't have connections with others. And so they terrorize people. Um, bringing it back to Nalini, it made me think of Rose in the Side Changeling series. Except Rose usually shift into their animal form, never return to their human form, and only go after their loved ones, and that's why they have to be put down. So, in TJ Klune's world, the Omegas aren't necessarily, um, they are a problem. And I think they're a problem because it's in this book that someone is trying to bring them together and do, you know, do damage as, you know, they usually don't work together or don't look for each other or whatever, but someone's working to do all of that. Um, now, the other fascinating thing is in this world, there are humans who know what's going on and humans who don't know. And then there are also witches, um... There isn't a conversation of whether or not there are other shape-shifting like, um, characters or um, options. So I don't know if it's just a world that has werewolves, humans, and, you know, witches. Um, but in this book specifically, we've got werewolves, we've got witches, and we've got humans. And some humans know what the hell is going on, but most humans don't know what the hell is going on. So what I thought was really interesting, so this book, right, we've got 
Ox and Joe meet when Ox is 16 and Joe is 10. So there is a bit of an age gap. It's about six years. It's not anything like over, over the top. It's just, it's literally six years, but it does exist. Um, and Ox is human while Joe is a werewolf. Now, one of the things that I think is interesting is that I think to the reader, also partially because you go into the book, you know it's called Wolf Song. There's mentions of, you know, so you have an idea that werewolves have to show up at some point. But I think it's really interesting that um, Ox doesn't peep to, like, what Joe and his family really are for quite some time, I feel like. I feel like it takes him a while. Um, now, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact he's obviously not expecting anybody to be a werewolf. Because this isn't a world where, like, werewolves are out and proud. Like, there are some paranormals where, like, shifters live amongst humans and everyone's aware of everyone. And no one, you know, this is not that world, right? This is very much a world where humans think that werewolves are fantasy, a myth, until, you know, um they're face to face with one and then it's like wait wait a minute uh um so i think i really enjoy that aspect now there's something that ox is able to do that i was like whoa um and this book i think really really stresses bonds and connections between blood family but also you know found family um between the family that you're born into and also between the family that you create through the connections that you have with others. Um, and that I thought was really, really beautifully done. Just sort of seeing, because Ox it has his mother, but then he's got Gordo, who's his boss at the uh, mechanic shop. And then he has Joe and Joe has two older brothers Kelly and Carter so he has them Joe's parents um and then there's Gordo's friends and Gordo's uh not Gordo's sister Gordo's friend's sister it's Chris's sister so when we first meet Ox I feel like he's very him and his mother are very sort of isolated and alone that doesn't end up being the like that changes now this book has a lot of um has a a number of moments that are when I say heartbreaking I mean heartbreaking um there's 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 violence there's there's violence um that leads to death and it's not pretty and it's very like what the fuck so um there there is that and that was something that I think I thought was interesting in that I don't know I mean I definitely read romances where it's got a ton of action and people are being killed here I think what the difference was it was not just bad guys getting killed right which always is such a bummer when a character you really like that isn't an evil character dies and you're just like and especially when they're killed and you're just like what the fuck like how dare you how could you what whoa you know 
very much that Cardi B give. What was the reason? What was the reason? Um, so I did have a few of those moments. But all in all, I really, really enjoyed the book. Um, I'm very curious not to like read the rest. So I put, I borrowed a book too. So I haven't started it yet, but I borrowed book two. But I mean, Wolf Song is long, but was really, really enjoyable. And there's like, so there's this whole, this something happens between like Joe and Ox. It's, uh, I would say, a very big deal. And as opposed to other romances where I feel like Ox would have just like forgiven Joe, like Ox really struggles with how angry he is and how he doesn't know how to move past that anger. And that felt very realistic. Um, I liked that Ox wasn't just like, I'm so happy you're, you're home that I don't care about all the other shit. It was very like, I'm really happy you're home and I'm also livid and I'm also furious and I'm also ready to raid. How dare you? And I don't know how to let this go. I don't know how to move past this. And that I liked because again, it felt very real, um, because I think sometimes I read romance novels and I'm like, how are you forgiving this person? Because that behavior was atrocious. And so I feel like in this book, Joe's behavior, right? Ox's reaction to Joe felt justified due to Joe's behavior kind of thing like it didn't feel like Ox was like being unreasonable and crazy and like just absolutely wild to have such a an idea or an expectation it felt very like nah I see that because I too would be like the fuck um so that I also really enjoyed that there wasn't this like we're just gonna like it's water under it's not water under the bridge actually actually it's 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 not um it's actually water on the bridge and i have slid and now i'm spinning i don't like it it's water how dare you so but it is a really really good book like i was like oh i don't know and then i was reading it and i was like hot damn another like Ooh, i don't know if i can put this down but i gotta sleep but i don't know but i gotta sleep but i don't know so i'll report back on book two for sure uh because i i mean i do hope it lives up to book one it would be so sad if it didn't um and i believe it's gordo who we've met in the first book it's his book so i'm like oh okay fine because i did i did like that character um, but yeah, that's what I was in, in the paranormal side of things this week. Um, was there another, oh, there was another book I read, the historical, and eh, I'll talk about it some other time. But yeah, that's, that's what I got into this week. Really enjoyed it. Um, I'm very curious to see where the elder races books go the next book book seven i can i've checked the three libraries i have access to only two of them have it and it's an audiobook so i think i might have to bite the bullet and listen to it in audiobook which i mm, don't want to do but 
one must do what one must do, right? Um, so yeah, I will keep you guys posted on Elder Races and the next uh, couple of books. I might do all the novellas or a few of the novellas in an episode because I feel like there's four. There might be five. Um, I have to double check. So I feel like I could do all of those in one episode. But yeah, guys, um, I'm going to pause here and then when I come back, it's going to be time for gratitude, attitude, gratitude, attitude. All right, I'll be right back. Okay, so it's time for gratitude, attitude. So this week, what are the three things I'm grateful for, you ask? Well, the first one is fresh laundry. And sorry, I'm saying this one because doing laundry sucks. It does. Um, I live in NYC. I don't have laundry in my apartment. I have to go to a laundromat. It's not far. I'm lucky. It's like uh, one block down and about two thirds of a block. So it's max two blocks, right? So it's not crazy far because I've definitely lived farther from a laundromat. Here's the thing. I'm on a fourth floor walk up. Four floors, people. I live on floor number four. There is no elevator. Um, so what do I have to do when I do laundry? I have to carry everything down, walk it over to the laundromat, then carry everything back and walk it back up to my apartment because I can't just like make a home in the lobby. So that all sucks. But do you know what's fucking amazing? Do you know what's fucking wonderful? Do you know what changes my life? Fresh laundry though. Yo, when them towels, when them sheets, when them clothes, when them masks smell fresh and clean. It's just Uh, And especially when I just get home, right, and it's fresh out the dryer, it's warm, a little bit toasty. Ugh, it's disgusting how amazing that is. It's just chef's kiss. Again, I still hate doing laundry, um, but once I'm home and I put away my folds and stuff and I hang up my hanging stuff and my room just smells yum, I'm like, yes, okay, fine. Now, the second thing that I'm grateful for this week is fresh flowers. And I've said this before, and I feel like I remember following an account that was like, my home has to have fresh flowers. And before I would get fresh flowers in my home, I was kind of like, okay, girl, shut the fuck up. You sound mad annoying. You sound dumb. So here I am joining her in sounding annoying and dumb, perhaps, but fresh flowers make a difference there's just something about like you like look at them and you're like oh they're so pretty and like look at them they're just so nice um i really enjoy it like i go to trader joe's i get a one of the the cheapest bouquet that goes in my room and i usually get astrolomeria that's how i say it or carnations um sometimes something else to put in like the living room kitchen whatever area and it's just like I walk by them and I'm like "Ah, so pretty especially the astrolamerias when they're all pretty closed and then when I put them in water then they start opening up opening up and I'm just like so fucking good um so yeah I didn't know 
before when I didn't have fresh flowers all the time, how much of a difference it makes. But now that I do it all the time, I see the difference and I like it. I like it very much. And then last but not least this week. So living in the where I live in New York, I'm able to take um, the ferry and it is a game changer, guys. Like, I've taken the ferry down Wall Street. I've taken it to 34th. It also goes up to East 90th and Soundview. I haven't gone to Soundview yet, but I have gone to East 90th. And there's just something about walking to the ferry, waiting at the dock, getting on this boat, and moving through New York City but in a completely different way than what I'm used to. I'm used to walking through the city, taking trains through the city, taking buses through the city, or taking, you know, lifts and Ubers. Taking a ferry, taking a boat is very different, right? You're out on the water, you're seeing water traffic, which is fascinating, right? Because you might be like, water traffic? Yeah, girl, ferry ain't the only boats out there. There are other boats. There can be, like, people with their pleasure crafts, right? Like, people who have boats. But there's also, like... New York City, like, whatever boats, or so Coast Guard, um, I've seen both what looks like Coast Guard and also what looks like, like, FDNY boats, I don't know what the difference is, there's people, uh, on ski dues. you know what's also really cool, having taken the ferry, there are water planes in New York City, I would have assumed that this was just the kind of thing that you have in really remote places where you don't actually have runways, you have to land on water. I'm thinking remote areas of Alaska and whatnot. But no, New York City has water. So I've been on the ferry and seeing like a plane that's like coming, coming, and then seeing it like land in the river and it's just like, oh, oh, that's cool. And also like take off from there as well. So there's just something. I don't remember who it was. Somebody told me that taking the ferry in New York City made it feel like you were kind of on a vacation, which I liked because I think that that is kind of true in the sense that like things like taking like if you live in a city where there's a ferry system and you don't expressly use it yourself for public transportation, do you ever go on the ferry? If you, you know, if it's not like obscenely priced or do you just sort of assume it's for tourists and don't bother Right. And I think that if you live in a city where there is or there are ferry systems, um, definitely figure out how to go and take advantage, especially now that the weather is like nice, um, because it's there's something I'm like, I don't think before I started taking the ferry just randomly that I would have been like, yeah, being on the water is cool. I would have been like, I don't know, I'm on a boat. Um, and I think also what I like about the ferry is it has like all these different stops so as soon as I get like tired of being on the boat I can get off right I think that's where it may be different from like you go out on the boat with people and then you want to go home but nobody else does so now you're stuck on a boat the very is like like from where I get on I was like depending on which direction I'm going if I'm going north or I'm going south there's like three other stops so there's at any point I can just be like I'm over this and get off that being said I really like like usually like when I took it up to East 90th I was like we're here already that seemed fast the same thing when I head to Wall Street I'm like we're here already that was fast and if you are at all planning to visit New York 
anytime in the next few years definitely check out new york city ferries right i mean there's the one i feel like a lot of people talk about which is the ferry the staten island ferry that's free that you can take from you know south from the pier at south street um whatever um or is it battery whatever that pier is called and you can take that to staten island and back and it passes by the statue of liberty and all that jazz and it's like a cool like you know you get a really cool view of lower manhattan this that and the other but the uh, the rest of the New York ferry system, which take can take you from Wall Street all the way to Far Rockaway in Queens to the beach over there, or there's a new route that'll be going from St. George on Staten Island up the the west part, the western side of the island. So up, I guess, the Hudson as opposed to up the East River, and it I believe will have a stop. Staten Island to Battery Park, Battery Park to 39th on the west side, which I think is really also cool because you'll get to see like this other side of the city and you just get to see the city from a different viewpoint, right? Um, I don't think that I would ever get in a helicopter. So the idea of a helicopter tour is like, girl, nah, but riding them ferries. I definitely want to do, like, just on a weekend, take the ferry to um, Soundview in the Bronx and just, like, enjoy that. And then maybe, like, hang out over there for a bit. And then um, it's on the completely other side of the Bronx than where I used to live. So it's not like, you know, I can't, whatever. But I definitely want to try it out because I've really been enjoying it. And I'm really looking forward to also doing it in the fall. Because I, I think I'm going to be over the, over the moon, guys. So yeah, those are the three things that I've been really grateful for this week. Fresh laundry, fresh flowers, and NYC ferry because I'm bougie. <laughs> I'm not really, but I like to pretend. Um, Alright, so next week I'll be back probably with more Elder Races books. And I should have book two in the green creek series by tj clune done so i'll be talking about that because i'm very curious very curious to see like how does it live up to book one does it meet my expectations does it exceed my expectations does it fall short oh also oof, i can't believe i almost forgot um will i have oh actually Next week's episode, y'all, might actually be not what I just said it was going to be. I might actually be bidding on The Bachelor, um, which is a Jackie Lau book that's coming out August 17th. And it's the Fong Brothers book two. So there was book one, which was Pregnant by the Playboy, um, and uh, which was really, I quite enjoyed. And then... I was like, okay, but where's Homeboy's Brothers book? And now we're getting that book. And that comes out on the 17th. So I might just end up making next week's episode about that book, Bidding on the Bachelor. Because if you know me, you know. um, Oh, because technically now that the episodes come out on Wednesday, the episode will be coming out the day after the book comes out. 
I was about to be like, because the episode will be out before the book. And I'm like, no, not no more. Now it comes out after. Whatever. So yeah, so next week's episode is probably going to be Bidding on the Bachelor and maybe an Elder Races book. Because I do have to try and listen to it on an audiobook. And if you can see my face right now, it's not excited. It's not excited at all. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah, that's it for this week. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in, for listening. If you have questions about romance um, or recommendations, comments, definitely hit me up on the Twitters and the Instagrams. My handles will be in the show notes. Um, if you feel so inclined to share the episodes or review or rate them wherever you listen that would be really dope i'm just saying y'all gotta but if you felt if you felt so inclined um i would i would i say thank you already um yeah i think that's it um be safe out there 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 there's been thunderstorms and all this and Mother Nature is just on on some other thing, some other ting. Yeah, there's like a heat wave coming. Not excited, but thanks again. Take care. I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Okay, bye.